Did you know that solo traveling helps you reconnect with yourself and find your purpose? Tripcast 360 is sponsored by St. Eustatius. Looking for a place where tranquility and adventure coexist? Look no further than the beautiful Caribbean island of St. Eustatius. From hiking trails to underwater adventure and pristine beaches, Stacia has it all. To learn more about Stacia, check out their website, stacia-tourism.com. Welcome to TripCast 360, the podcast of lively event about travel, lifestyle, and entertainment. This is Michael Gordon Bennett coming to you from Las Vegas, further known as Sin City. And no, I have not reset a sin yet at 7.38 a.m. And I am joined, as always, by Dave Cumberbatch, who is out on Long Island, where I believe he told me it was snowing this morning, and this is early March. I can't believe it, Michael. I'm looking through my window, and I'm seeing snow at this time of year, you know? It's crazy. Well, you know, climate What's, change is real, man. <laughs> What's happening to the world, Michael? I don't know. You know, it's funny. You were talking to we were you know, talking about the weather stuff, which we have a tendency to do at the top of every show. But Las Vegas has had less than one inch of rain this entire year. Twelve no, calendar months, one inch of rain. Well, we've had a lot of wind. We had the wind gusts that were blowing billboards down two days ago. And we got some more of that coming tomorrow. But one inch of rain in 12 months. You can stay there for a lot of reasons. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, as you well know, I just got back from Hawaii and we were on the big island doing the volcano. They had more rain in an hour than we've had in Vegas in a year. Wow. wow. And, and Hawaii, as you well know, was, was an awesome experience for me. I can't believe I've lived on the West Coast for 35 years and never set foot in Hawaii until now. So it, it was really great. But yeah, there's, it's, it's dry here. The, you know, we have a monsoon season here. Most people don't know that. Our monsoon season starts in July, and we haven't had one in like five years now. Not one. And so it's it's, it's awful. But um, anyway, so what's going on with you, man? What's what's the latest in the world of travel on your end? We in our third year of our podcast, we've done the English Caribbean just about. We've never mm. done the Dutch Caribbean, and I'm so excited about, about really having uh, – a member of the family, we like to call our guests, they're members of the family, who's from the Dutch Caribbean. So I'm excited to hear what she must. She say. must have fed you or something. <laughs> <laughs> Be, because you don't wax poetic about a lot of people unless they feed you or give you a rum drink. Uh, you know what? It's a bit early here, but you know, I can oh, come that. on. You know, I, I said this in the pre-show to someplace around the world that's celebrating right about now. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I, I, I am anxious to get started. So before we do that, let me do the housekeeping notes. You can catch the TripCast 360 podcast anywhere you get your podcast, iTunes, um, uh, Google, Amazon has a, a podcasting platform, iHeartRadio. But the best place to get it is on our website at TripCast360.com. Uh, we post uh, episodes quite frequently, usually two or three times a month. So we invite you to check out that. Plus, we have other travel-related stories that are more generic in nature about destinations that are have something to offer or something to say. And we're actually introducing an entertainment section to our platform. Uh, for those who receive our newsletter, we just actually made a mention of Mary J. Blige's performance coming up in the, yeah. down in Miami, uh, I believe on March 15th, uh, mm -hmm. Jazz in the Gardens, which is an annual event down in Miami, which I have been to a couple of times and it was great when I was there. So uh, we have all that. But if you have any suggestions for show ideas, 
uh, that you would like to hear us discuss. Uh, Dave and I pretty much know where all the players are in the business. So send us an email at contact at tripcast360.com. And uh, I think Dave has some social media stuff he wants to discuss. Oh, yeah. We can't forget our social media platforms. It's uh, social. Twitter. Ah, there you go. <laughs> Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And please follow us, like us, tag us. Yep, let's get into all of the above. So yeah, please, please do do. We have a lot of stuff out there. Like I said, we just did a story on my trip to Hawaii. We've got luxury resorts, we've got entertainment, and we're adding more stuff to it any every day. So yeah, please uh, check out our social media as well. Now, right. let's get on with this guest Dave has been referring to, the one who must have fed him or at least given him a drink. <laughs> um, her name is Rochelle Celestina. Uh, I call her the traveling island girl. She's originally from Curacao, but now calls St. Martin home. Rizella is the founder of the Traveling Island Girl blog. She offers some great advice on traveling in the Caribbean, hotel reviews, and quirky stories about island life. She is an avid adventurer, nature, and animal lover, as well as a self-proclaimed eco-warrior. She has written for publications such as Win Air In-Flight Magazine, Milan's Travel and Lifestyle, A Far Insider, and Visit St. Martin. You can read Rizelle's stories on her website, thetravelingislandgirl.com. And trust me when I tell you this, the stories are eye-opening, they're fascinating, and really gives a unique perspective uh, uh, on life in the Caribbean. Rizelle, welcome, welcome, welcome. What's up? How are you, gentlemen? And, you know, by the way, I didn't feed him anything. All I had to do was call him Gucci. That's right. That's right. There you go. There you go. Love it. Love it. Love it. You could explain. Yes, I should. So the word Gucci in our language, Papiamento, which, by the way, is only spoken on the ABC Islands, Aruba, Bonaire, and Curacao, means everything good. Like if you see a guy that you like or a girl that you like, oh, that girl is douchey. You can okay. use it for food. Oh, this food was very douchey. Or how was your trip? Oh, it was douchey. So everything mm-hmm. that is good is douchey. <laughs> so I just had to. I just had to tell my. Um, I just had to tell Dave that he's douchey. That's it. <laughs> can I call you douchey without your husband looking for me? Um, well, he won't know how to find you, so I think we're safe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can fix that for you. <laughs> <laughs> I know where he lives. <laughs> <laughs> and and, and for, for those of you who are unenlightened, do not send us an email saying douchey and being pissed <laughs> off. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Rochelle, uh, Michael called you the traveling island girl, but that's actually your platform. Uh, welcome to Tripcast 360. Thank you. A friend of mine sent me a video that you produced while you were on St. Eustatius. Uh, it was well produced, extremely informative. And I said, you know what? I've got to reach out to her and see if I can get her on our show. Um, you said that blogging for you started as a necessary outlet when you were going through an early midlife crisis at 40. You said, yep. you know, you, you said you, you struggled with who you were. Um, what you what were doing I wanted in your to life, do, where I wanted what, to go. What, exactly. What what role did that struggle or experience play in your obsession for traveling and discovering new places, especially the Caribbean, which we're going to talk about today? 
Well, I've always been an avid traveler and I've traveled a lot for work and for pleasure. Um, it the, I think with the midlife crisis, what kind of opened my eyes is that I met someone that um, wasn't a, a, a nomad. And he told me stories about fascinating stories about all these places that he's lived in and what he's done and what he hasn't done. And I just fell in love with that whole kind of living situation. Although for me, it was a little bit of a not really accessible since I'm married and we have um, 16 paw children. So I wasn't about to leave my family and <laughs> and go travel the world either. But I was really fascinated with the idea of seeing more of this world. And although, yes, I've traveled a lot before, um, I never really took the time to ex uh, to explore our own backyard, which is the Caribbean region. And I thought that was kind of a pity because I know for a fact, having traveled to some of the Caribbean islands, that the Caribbean has so many, many different aspects to it. It's no one island is the same as the other. You could yeah. you can visit Aruba today and be in Dominica the next day, which is a complete different atmosphere, a complete different look, complete different culture, complete different language. So it's the Caribbean is so much more than what we proclaim it to be, like sun, sand, and sea. And I wanted to explore a little bit more beyond those three things that we tend to promote about the Caribbean all the time. Wow. Yeah, but you had the opportunity to do that. I actually saw a video that you produced about the five best Caribbean islands for solo traveler. But first, let me ask you, who's a solo traveler? I read somewhere that a solo traveler is a person who embarks on a journey, either long or short, in which they're, in which they're both physical and emotionally away from the people and the culture that they're familiar with. Is that your interpretation of a solo travel travel. No, I is. think my interpretation is a little bit more simpler than that. I don't stay away from my own culture. In fact, I take it with me. And I think because of my culture, I understand the other Caribbean cultures a little bit better than somebody who's not from the Caribbean would interpret it. Um, so for me, a solo traveler is just somebody who's willing to leave the the known behind and step into the unknown without expectations or without really, um, and doing all of this alone without traveling with a travel buddy, a husband, a partner, a friend. And I think in my eyes that it opens, it, it opens your eyes to so many different aspects of a destination than if you were traveling with someone. I think that's a traveler. There's a bit of distinction there. You say doing it without your husband, your friends, etc. But that doesn't translate to you uh, being on island traveling alone. You can you can do that in a group. It's just being away from those people that you see right. every day. Right. I think for me, it's really about doing it alone. I'd rather, um, and this is something that my when I started doing this after this midlife crisis you spoke about. My husband had a little bit of a tough time with it in the beginning, but he now knows that that is what I need. I need to travel by myself. It's the best way to travel for me. It may not be for anyone, for everybody else, but it is for me. It's the way I prefer to travel. Just venturing into an unknown destination by myself and exploring it to my leisure is the way to go for me. 
Right. And I, I also think we need to make the distinction, too, because this is often com, uh, uh, convoluted, convoluted. People think of solo travel as either single travel because you're single. In other words, you don't have a partner or they also think of it as uh, a lot of stories we've done as solo travel specifically for women. And I know for a fact, pretty much every place I've ever gone in my life, I have been both single and solo or married and solo. Uh, yeah, exactly. I, I, I have taken very few group trips together with anybody else. Yep. There's a there's a big um, and that's the thing that a lot of people that haven't done solo travel don't understand about solo travel. Solo travel does not mean I'm selfish. It doesn't. Well, maybe a little, but it, it doesn't mean I'm selfish. It doesn't mean I'm single. It doesn't mean I'm lonely. It really doesn't mean any of those things. Another thing also is that a lot of people think, oh, you must be really lonely when you travel by yourself. No, I actually quite enjoy it. And I meet a lot of new people that otherwise, if I was traveling in a group, I wouldn't. Right. So it's it's got a very interesting aspect to it. That's actually a pretty interesting angle, because I, I agree with you. Even when you're traveling with family, sometimes you tend to be so insular with just your family. You never exactly. look outside of them to see what the rest of the no. people are doing. Right. And not to mention that when you're traveling with anybody else, you have to take their expectations into consideration as well. Like, I, I'm not afraid to say that my worst travel buddy is my husband. He and I could not be more different. Um, if he if he picks a destination, if we decide we're traveling together, then I, I'll just let him have the reins and do whatever he wants to do. And I'll just tag along, which is a little hard for me. But um, traveling with me is not what he wants. He likes to kind of lay back, take his time. And I'm like, we have three days in Paris. I got to see this, this, that, that. And I got to eat at this restaurant and that place and that. Place. And so that to me is important. I could also be a solo traveler that is totally into just relaxation. It happens. It's, it just depends on what kind of traveler you are. Um, so, so, yeah. So there's so much more that comes to just traveling by yourself. There's just so much more to it than, than just that. Yeah, no, I, I'm in total agreement about that. All right. Well, we brought you on here to have a solo travel through the Caribbean conversation, but I have a funny feeling we're going to expand on that as we go along. Well, <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. It's a necessary we're evil. Talking really about that. We're going to talk about everything Caribbean today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, get, get, get your rum drink ready. <laughs> Is there a distinction between being a solo traveler on a cruise as opposed to being a solar traveler on a stayover trip to a destination. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, a cruise, just like a, a, a group tour. I see a cruise like a group tour. You might not know each other initially when you board the boat, but by the end of the, the cruise, you're bound to have at least a couple of new friends that you made on board. Yeah which you do when you're traveling by yourself and a destination anyways. But with a cruise, it tends to be like the same people that you see every day over and over. And you form a bond and you have something in common, which is the cruise. So, of course, it's different than just stepping off the plane and be like, oh, I don't know anybody here. Where should I go first? It's a complete different um, solo travel experience. Yeah, I remember I went to Fiji. Uh, I think in 2004. And I remember when I got there, I didn't know anybody. Uh, and I'd already hired a driver. So the driver was with me. And I was at this brand new hotel, a Sophie Tell Hotel. 
And I had all these books with me. I, I'm an avid reader. I read everything. And so I'm, I had one book on the financial markets. I had another book on oil exports. And I had another one on history of black history of something or other. And I'm sitting on the beach reading. And this couple next to me, this little girl, she's like three years old. She kept coming over and sitting on my uh, at the foot of my stool where I was sitting in my lounge chair. And her parents kept pulling her back. They were afraid. Big six foot four inch black guy. I'm afraid. Guess what? Yep. After about 10 minutes of this going on, I got up out of my chair and went over and sat right next to them on purpose. They were they were farmers from Australia. They had never had any um, interaction with anybody who uh, was well read of African descent. And long story short, we were friends for 15 years. We wrote each other letters. I always told them what I was up to. And they always wrote me back, sending me pictures of the little girl. Her name was Madeline. I still remember all of that. And that would not have happened had I been with a group. Yeah, exactly. Because you would have just stayed with your own group and you wouldn't have had any actually inclination or reason to go and have a conversation with anybody else. You probably wouldn't even have noticed that they were just a couple of chairs down the beach from you. Yeah. You know, you were traveling with a group. Um, and that's the beauty of, tra- of of solo traveling to me. Uh, it's the new people that you get to know. It's the eyes that you get to open to your um, part of the world, to your culture, to your experiences. Um, a lot of times, you know, and especially traveling from the Caribbean, if I travel outside of the region of the Caribbean, a lot of people don't expect Caribbean travelers to actually go further than the Caribbean region. They expect us, all of us to just be traveling right there in the Caribbean. And that's what we do. We take a little boat. We go to, from island to island. That's not what we do. We actually, most Caribbean or Caribbean um, island people will be traveling abo- uh, abroad outside of the region. Florida is a main destination for many. Um, Europe, you know, it's like a lot of us are very well-traveled people. Um, and you wouldn't know that until you kind of like, take that barrier down and that, uh, how do you say that in English? The, the scare, the fright that you have mm-hmm. of us, the, the, the fright of the unknown. How right. do you say that? There's another word. <laughs> yeah. But it's just, you're afraid of the unknown. So then you're, you're, you tend to kind of like stay in your own little world. Oh, a little lame. Yeah. Right. So, and I, and I think we need to take that barrier down and what better way to do it than when you're traveling by yourself. Yeah. And it, and it works, by the way. I mean, you know, we have yeah. a, we, we have this tendency to resort to our own tribes, if you will, when yep. we're faced with something that's uncomfortable to us. But I've never traveled that way. Uh, you know, being a military brat, I spent three years in Spain as a child. I went to first and second grade in Madrid. And it was wonderful because the Spanish people embraced us. They didn't. They were not afraid of us. It wasn't the, the, the big black boogeyman walking down the street. You know, now, with that being said, I'm certain that they made a distinction between people of African descent who live in the United States versus those who come from Africa, because I see a lot of that around the world, but uh, they weren't afraid of us. And as regards to you, you already live in paradise. So people are already thinking like, okay, they're never leaving the paradise. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. yeah, I definitely live in paradise. That's for sure. (laughs) I can't deny it, but even paradise comes at a cost. With all the background that we've given in terms of what a solar traveler is and the experiences of a solar traveler, what are the best destinations in the Caribbean for a solar traveler? And if you can sort of break it down to if there are any distinctions from one island to the next or from one language to the next, you and the dark side of the Caribbean. 
there's also the English side and the Spanish side. So uh, what are the best islands in the Caribbean for a solo traveler? Well, to answer that question, I first have to say, I have to be honest and say that I haven't been to every single Caribbean island yet, although they the ones are that on you've my been list. To. <laughs> Those that I have been to is what I can speak out of experience. And of yes. course, um, my list of best solo, uh, of best Caribbean islands to travel to solo are, of course, based on the one thing that is the, uh, the biggest, um, how do you say that? the biggest uh, thing that everybody traveling solo thinks about is safety. That is the number one thing that, of course, when you're traveling by yourself, you want to know how safe is the place that you're going to. Uh, In my experience, the smaller the islands, the safer it tends to be. But that is not always the case. Now, having said all of that, my um, favorite islands or my best islands that I would suggest as best to travel to solo, whether you're a male or a female, is uh, Anguilla. The British, uh, sorry, the British uh, West Indies. Um, Then you have, of course, Seba, uh, the tiny little rock, um, highest point in the Dutch kingdom, uh, also has been used as the, um, uh, the, the, what do you call it, Skull Island in King Kong? Mm -hmm. That's Mm -hmm. the island. Um, Tortola, I found to be quite uh, safe, quite nice to travel by yourself as well. Um, Sint Eustatius, since I recently been there, um, I think that is one of definitely one of the most um, safest I've been on an island. You know, kind of leave your car unattended. You don't really need to you can keep the car keys in there. You know, that kind of thing. Uh, St. Bart's is also quite um, uh, safe. And then Nevis. Nevis is another place, one of my favorites, that I felt quite safe at. Apart from the safety, which is number one for you, mm-hmm. once you get the, the islands that you that, that you mentioned, once you get there, let's take them one by one. Let's talk okay. about the let's talk about the overall experience there. Okay, so the overall experience in Nevis, for instance, it, I do, and that is actually something that you'll get in most Caribbean islands, especially towards solo travelers. People tend to be a little bit more friendlier and helpful. They they feel, because remember, in the Caribbean, we the whole solo travel thing is not something that you expect um, uh, from a Caribbean or an island person. A lot of islanders don't like traveling by themselves. It's not, it's something that is new. It's quite new to us. Um, it's, we, so we tend to want to help this person out. Oh my God. Oh, the poor thing. You're traveling by yourself, all by yourself. Oh, I got to protect you. I got to, you know. So that's kind of like the feeling that I get sometimes when I'm traveling by myself, that people tend to want to help me uh, more than you, than they would if I was traveling with someone. Um, the the helpfulness and the friendliness of the people is overall. But let's talk about Nevis. What I love really about Nevis is um, the how the people love their island themselves. It's like they have a love and passion for their island, and that transcends into everything: service, how they speak to visitors, how they speak to their fellow locals, um, and that is what that is something that really. I took away from, from my visit to Nevis. Wow. Now, having said that about Nevis, let's go to, for instance, uh, Tortola. What I like about Tortola, it's got a really big expat community. 
And you know that thing that I said about friendly locals? Tortola doesn't have that, or not in my experience anyway. I've really noticed that people tend to be a little, the locals tend to be a little standoffish if they don't know you. They just don't trust outsiders. But after a while, if they see you often enough, or if you are friendly towards them, it will break that barrier and they'll be friendly back. Um, but I've, in my experience, the local Tortolan was a little bit a harder shell to crack, so to speak. But once you get there, they're super friendly, super nice, um, are always willing to give advice on what to do, what to see, what where to eat. Um, and, and yeah, so I, I kind of really valued that. Um, now, let's go to Centestatius. Centestatius is just, what can I say about Centestatius? Centestatius has been such an eye-opener for me because it's always been this place that everybody else described as this sleepy little town. Nothing happens. It's boring. They only have goats there. What are you going to do there? You're going to be bored in a day or two. And I went for four days and I wasn't ready to leave. Uh, Centestatius really surprised me. Um, and it, yes, it's a sleepy little town, but that is what I liked. I could venture out to my heart's content. There was nowhere where I felt unsafe, seriously nowhere. I slept with my door open. I had my car just waiting for me outside without having to lock up the car. Cause that is actually people look at you when the alarm goes, beep, 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 and they're look at you. Why is she, why is she locking her car? It's like, so it's, it's all of those things that are so foreign to us nowadays. It's still lived there every day in Stacia. And that's what I loved about it. And people were just super friendly. The Dutch people, as well as the locals were friendly. They were so helpful. So go out of their way to explain about their little paradise. And, and, and I really, really like that. Wow. That, that's an awful yeah. good, and that's an awful good uh, uh, testimonial to the Stacia. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I really enjoyed my time there and I'm ready to go back, actually. Um, now let's go to Anguilla. Anguilla is a special little place. Anguilla is is it's really special in my heart as well. I go there as often as I can. Um, up to recently, it was still my number one island to visit. And it's easy for me as well because it's just a 20-minute ferry ride from St. Martin. And uh of course, nowadays, it's a little harder to get in and out of because of the whole protocols with COVID. But Anguilla is a special spot. And the, the again, the people just, you, you can't help but fall in love with the people of Anguilla. The people of Anguilla are super friendly. They actually deserve the title of the Friendly Island. They are really that friendly. They're open. They're um, inviting. They're always curious about where you're from. What are you doing? Why are you here? Um, very helpful. And the island, of course, it's just gorgeous. It's and and that's a thing. And I think a lot of people have this misconception of Anguilla. And of course, the tourist office markets it as such as this very luxurious destination, which it definitely is. But at the same time, it also has a more affordable side of, to it, which a lot of people don't know about. You can actually have a really great vacation on Anguilla without breaking the bank. You just need to know where to go. And um, if you want to be more affordable, go to the more locally owned businesses, which are just jams right on the beach where 
people serve you the local cuisine and the local rum punch and are always there kind of like happy to be sharing all of this good music, good vibe attitude with you. Um, another thing is also it's because it's such a luxurious destination, it really doesn't matter to the average Anguillan where you're from. You could be the president and CEO of this big corporation and they'll treat you the same as poor little island girl me that comes and wanders into their store. So that's what I love, love, love about Anguilla. Everybody is treated the same. Nice. You you yeah. had mentioned you had mentioned during our our pre-interview before we started taping that you're not a big fan of the big resort and the all-inclusive type properties because it kind of insulates you from that local experience. So exactly. when when you do travel, how, how do you make your accommodation arrangements, so to My speak? My accommodation, preferred accommodation is usually either a boutique hotel or uh, well, actually, my preferred one, number one, and 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 really the main one that I always look at is a vacation rental or an Airbnb. I like to have that local experience. So I always do some research in which neighborhoods are, of course, safe, but also fun and vibrant and which neighborhoods are good for, are they residential or are they more commercial? So I look, I do some research into that and then I try to get an, uh, an apartment in that area. Um, another tip as a solo traveler is I tend to book mostly with super hosts because they have good recommendations. And so, again, that safety issue comes into play, too. But my preferred accommodation is always an Airbnb. Second, a small inn or uh, or boutique hotel. If I'm on the splurge, definitely a nice boutique hotel will do. Got it. Got it. In addition to your accommodation planning, what else do you look for as a solo traveler when you go, whether it's to the five or six uh, islands you've just mentioned or any other island? What, what uh, you've, We've talked about safety, we've talked about accommodation, but what else do you look for? Because I'm getting the distinct impression from talking to you that everything to you is the local experience. It's very, very much the local experience. And also what I do value is how environmentally friendly or animal protective the place that I go to because these are things that are important to me as another traveler might not think it's important but I have a very sensitive heart when it comes to animals and the environment so if the island I visit and I've been to a few um, where women are treated unfairly or animals are being um, exploited or uh, there's plastic and trash everywhere then yes that's gonna give me a negative uh, attitude towards the island. Um, but having said that, I always plan ahead. I don't plan everything, but I do plan ahead because I do want to know where to go or what I definitely want to visit, what I definitely want to see. And I make a plan based on all of that. But I do always also keep um, time to myself to kind of decide on the whim of the day, kind of like, decide on that day what I want to do, whatever I want to stay in, or I want to go out. So it's, um, there's a lot coming to it than other than just, you know, looking for safety. Their local experience, like you said to me, is super important. Uh, there's nobody else that can sell the destination better than a local person. A local person is going to show you the places where the brochures are never going to take you to. You know, they're going to take you on hikes that you may have never even heard of. They're going to show you parts of their islands that are local and 
and vibrant that you would have otherwise not ventured into because we always travel with the idea that the local areas are dangerous yeah. or iffy or sketchy. Right. And that's the, the thing that I try not to. Of course, there are sketchy areas and your gut is the one thing you always have to follow when traveling solo. But I also believe that, you know, especially with a local guide, venture into this area sometimes and then kind of like get that feeling of, of being with the locals. It's not all sketchy and dangerous. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm in total agreement. Is there any place in the Caribbean you would like to go that you haven't been? There's a lot of places that I haven't been to that I, I'm dying to go to. Besides um, Dave's house, Dave doesn't have any food at his house. So, you know, so. <laughs> Dave doesn't have any food. I'm not coming. <laughs> food is another very, very, very exciting thing for me whenever I'm planning a trip. Food is, 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 is yeah, very important. <laughs> um, what was the question again? <laughs> <laughs> see, see, you, see you, just, you messed it up, Dave. <laughs> yeah, he mentioned food, and then when he mentioned food, I always kind of oh, we're going to get the yeah. we're going to get back to food in oh, a minute. <laughs> can we please? <laughs> the question I asked you was: Is there a, a place in the Caribbean that oh, yes. you would like to go that you've never been to? There's been there are so many. Grenada is on the top of my list. Um, I definitely want to visit Barbados is definitely a place I haven't been to that I'm dying to visit the Bahamas is yeah we, we spoke about the Bahamas a little the Bahamas is on my list to go um, Cayman Islands has for some reason really is enticing me these days and I think it's because I linked up with someone online and she's been telling me stories about the Cayman Islands and I'm just really really uh, yeah really Kind of excited to visit sometime. Um, let me see what other islands, but I think those are the main ones at the time at this time that I'm really, really want to visit. Tobago is another one. Uh for some reason, Trinidad, yes, it it attracts me just for the food aspect of things, and just because I know I have so many Trinidadian friends, but Tobago is really attracting me. I like that solitude that they're that they have, that kind of Privacy, intimacy, small island vibes, you know, coconuts and that kind of thing. That is what I what I tend to be attracted to. Oh, and, and that pink sand on Tobago. Oh, yeah, that'll do. Oh, yeah, <laughs> you, you'll enjoy that. I, I mean, I've been to Trinidad three times, but I've never made it to Tobago. <laughs> oh, you haven't. Yeah, I'm really I really want to want to go to Tobago. Tobago is really high up on my list as well. OK. Are there any solar solar traveler groups? I mean, there are many. There are there are really many, many of them, especially those that um uh cater towards uh solo female travelers. Um yeah. there's many groups either on Facebook or on social media, but you can also find them um that organize troops for women groups for women, um, those organized groups that you'll go on your own, but you'll still be in the company of so like a tour, really. Um, there's many influencers and bloggers, travel writers that organize their own. I myself have organized the women's retreat, um, back in 2018. So yeah, so two actually I've organized one to, to San Juan, Puerto Rico as well. Um, which Puerto Rico, by the way, love, love, love Puerto Rico. I don't have it in my safest or, or best for solo travelers because in all seriousness, I haven't traveled all over Puerto Rico. So it's kind of unfair 
to kind of base everything on just the two places that I've been to. Uh, so that's why it's not on my list. But definitely, if you've ever been to Puerto Rico, then look up the little place called Ay Bonito. You will not regret it. That place is just insanely beautiful. I, I will actually be there in August. My girlfriend is uh, went to school in Puerto Rico, so she's having her 40th class reunion. So, yeah, we're going. <laughs> Make sure you go to Ay Bonito. Oh, I'll ask her about it as soon as we get off this call. Yeah, <laughs> and go in the weekends on a Sunday and do the chinchoreo, which is amazing. It's just hopping from one little bar to the next in the car. And it's going to, it's, it's a lot of fun and it's all the way up in the mountains and it's kind of a cool mm-hmm. climate and people are super friendly and nice and mo- best mojitos I've ever had in my life. Ooh, got something to look forward to. <laughs> She was she went to an all girls school, so I'm going to be by myself for quite a while. <laughs> oh, yeah. OK, so I'll link you up with some of my friends there and I will need to I'll take care of you. You got it. <laughs> He's going to be solo for a while, so he'll be fine. <laughs> I think but with him, in his case, he's traveled solo on his own. So I think he's, he's going to be more than fine. Oh, I'll be fine. Yeah. I mean, I haven't been dusting off my Spanish, trying to figure out what I used to know and stuff like that. I, I take a Spanish lesson on Duolingo every day now. <laughs> Listen, the only thing you need to know is uno, un, un mojito más, por favor. Uh, si. Really? <laughs> <laughs> and of course, if you want what you want. Más grande. Más grande, por favor. <laughs> when I was in Aruba, I find that Quite a few, few people were extremely fluent in three languages there. At the least. Spanish, Spanish, the English, and Papamento. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yes, and Dutch, of course. Yeah, four. And um, is that the way it is in all of the Dutch countries, the Dutch-speaking Not countries? Not all much? the Dutch countries. Not all of the Dutch islands, but it is in the ABC islands. Why? Because those are the... The ones where, remember, we're closer to Venezuela. We're close to Venezuela. So we have a very tight connection with Venezuela. Um, my grandmother is actually apparently from Venezuela. So my mom says. And um, so we have a, a very tight connection with Venezuela. And on, on besides that, English is spoken from a very early age because we rely on tourism. So English is very important. Dutch, we get it in school. So you can't avoid the Dutch. It's a Dutch island. And then, of course, Papiamento is what we speak to each other on a daily basis. Now, in my case, and in a lot of people from my generation, we didn't have um, cable TV or satellite dish. We just, you know, four kids. We travel. My father put more emphasis on traveling more rather than staying at home watching TV. So he really didn't see why he should invest in a satellite, big satellite dish outside of our window. So we relied on what we could receive from the TV, which was Venezuelan TV, because our mm-hmm. own channels back in the day wouldn't come on until uh, six o'clock <laughs> in the afternoon. And that was Night Rider and uh, some kind of show with Auntie Irma dancing in front of the. <laughs> <laughs> and anybody from my generation in Curacao will start laughing when they have to, when they hear this. But yeah, so um I grew up watching uh, Tom and Jerry, Tweety, and all of those in Spanish. So I never knew that Tweety was Tweety until much later. For me, it was Piolin this Mm -hmm. whole time. 
you know, so it's it's kind of funny that my Spanish and I'm and I'm a language person, so I adapt to languages very fast and I catch them very fast. And besides that, we had a person helping out at the house that was from Dominica. So I got the English that we spoke to her on a daily. Um, my mom insisted on speaking during the course of the day. She would speak Dutch to us because she knew that at one point or another, we would have to go to the Netherlands to further our studies. And then so she wanted us to be fluent in the language. So she made us speak Dutch at home during the hours of until like, let's say six, when we could be free to speak our own. And then, yeah, like I explained, the Spanish comes from our connection to to Venezuela mostly. And we are a well-traveled to island within the the Latino community. So, yeah. I'm going to pivot back to something. Uh, because we we spend a lot of time tap dancing around it, and that's food. Um, oh, my favorite F word. <laughs> yeah, you know, Dave knows I don't cook. Um, I just eat. Uh, so, uh, give me some of your best foodie experiences throughout the Caribbean. Okay, so um, I have to say I'm a pescatarian on a bad day. On a good day, I'm a vegetarian, and on a really good day, I'm vegan. So I tend the, to not the operative word is good day. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah. That's totally a good day. Okay, fantastic. Um, where should I start? Oh my goodness, there's so much. Um, of course, the traditional rice and peas, which you get in a lot of the Caribbean islands. Right. The fungi, which is super interesting, because so you see it in in a lot of the islands. Barbados, I think, calls it cuckoo, mm-hmm. or is it cuckoo? Yeah, cuckoo. Yes. Right. So so you have and and what I love is that you see a variation of something that, you know, from your island, you'll see it in another Caribbean island. They may not make it the same way, but it's a variation off of it, of a certain dish, which is fantastic. Except when you go to Curacao, Curacao is on its own. Curacao has some dishes that, oh, my goodness, Um, we have, for instance, something called yambo. Yambo is okra. It's stewed okra, and there's fish and uh, and salt beef and pork in it. If I'm not mistaken, if I remember, my parents used to make me eat it because it's very slimy. Okra tends to be very slimy when oh, you yeah. stew, right. <laughs> it's like it's, it doesn't look good. It looks like a bowl of sm- of, of slime, but it is really. <laughs> it tasty. is a bowl of it slime. Is a, <laughs> it is a bowl of slime. <laughs> it doesn't look appetizing, but it's really good. Back in the days when I used to eat meat, I now still have horrors about it just because of my childhood. But it is it's a great dish, and it's a favorite dish by many. My mom now that she's living in Belgium is constantly talking about, oh, I wish I had a bowl of yambo. (laughs) (laughs) So yambo is definitely one of those things. There's also something called kadushi, which is actually just a stew made of the cacti. It's um, tutu is my absolute favorite. Tutu is actually uh, cornmeal mixed with a stew of beans. So you stew the beans with coconut milk, a little bit of sugar, so it's a little sweet. And then you pour the, the, the uh, cornmeal in it and you stir it until it becomes a little firm bowl of deliciousness. And my mom used to serve it to us with a little bit of butter and a slice of Gouda Dutch cheese on top. Oh, my God. Hold on. Heaven. Heaven. <laughs> look, look at the look at the expression on her face, Dave. Oh, <laughs> I, I think I'm even like yeah. mouth watering. It's like, oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You need a bib. 
(laughs) (laughs) No, it's fantastic. And it's like coming out of there, um, Bonaire is famous for their fried fish and a a slice of tutu, uh, not tutu, but funji on the side. Amazing. Like you call it polenta, we call it funji, by the way. So it's polenta, but it's a little bit more firm that you can slice like a cake. We make it a little bit more firm. Some people throw stuff in it, like okra, but in the ABC Islands, it's just plain uh, cornmeal. And we eat it as a side dish. So you, it goes very well with the yambo, very with any other stew that you might make, a goat stew. Uh, it goes well with, of course, a fried piece of fish as well. So that is some of my favorites. Um, and then let me see what else. Uh, there's so many dishes. Oh, and I now found a love for Eitel food. Really? Oh, yeah. There's this ah, little place here. Uh, yeah, I'll tell you, man. It's like Eitel <laughs> is the way to go. There's this little um, shack here on St. Martin called Freedom Fighters Eitel Shack. And I just love the, the, uh, the gentleman that owns it with his family, he's originally from Curacao. He's a, he goes, he lives his life according to Rastafarian. Uh, well, he, he uh, does the Rastafarian lifestyle. So, and he, uh, he only, well, of course, if you know Ito food, you know that it comes, everything is from the earth. So nothing is from cans or no preservatives and anything like that. But it is so delicious. They don't need any, uh, you know, all of those uh, condiments that we use or anything like that. They just use whatever herbs that they have and then they cook this food and it's just amazing. So ITEL is definitely on my go-to wherever I there is, if there is a Rastafarian community, I tend to go there as well. Well, I always tell my friends there are two, there are two experiences that you never forget, the very good and the very bad. The one in between tend to be the normal experiences. Um, in all your traveling, can you share a really good memorable experience? And on the converse, can you share an experience that was so bad, bad in the sense that if you tell that to us, we're going to laugh our asses off. <laughs> so you mean more humorous? Yes. More, more oh, okay. Humorous. So not bad about really bad, but just humorous. Okay. Not bad, you know, like, you know, the hotel suck. That's not what you're talking about. No, no, no. I'm not talking about that at all. I'm talking more about the experience that you have. The experience, um, the experience right. Yeah. Huh. Um, to be honest, I've had many in the Caribbean, but there is one that stands out and it's actually outside of the Caribbean because for me, it was so completely different. And that is when I visited in 2019, I went on a solo trip to Portland and Seattle, but I didn't stay in the cities. I went, I ventured out. I am 46. So I'm from the generation that adores the Goonies. Do you guys remember the Goonies? Yeah. (laughs) So I told my 10 year old self when that movie came out in Curacao, I told myself that one day I will go and see the haystack. Oh my gosh. And that is something that I finally got to do in 2019. So yeah, that is <laughs> one of my fondest <laughs> travel memories ever. And of course, I also um went to the Olympic Peninsula. I took a ferry from uh Seattle and went to Forks and the surrounding areas and I hiked the Moss Trail and all of those. And that was just breathtaking. I saw 
animals in the wild that you would never ever see in the Caribbean unless you go to a zoo. So those were very fond memories for me. Now, if you have to go talk about the Caribbean, there are many, but I think many of them are related to the people that I met and the experiences mm-hmm. that they gave me, the hospitality that I experienced through them. Um, and a lot of my memories are surrounding food. <laughs> that's, that's why I brought it up. <laughs> so definitely food. Yeah. Um, if I have to go to the embarrassing or uh, fun moments while traveling, well, there's the occasional, you know, stupidity on my part that I forgot my passport and I only noticed when I'm at the airport and which is extra stupid because I'm supposed to be an avid traveler, right? Mm-hmm. And my taxi comes to pick me up and I'm like, what? oh, da, 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 da. we're chatting because I'm a chat box. I'm always chatting. And I'm yeah, the island is so nice and it's so great. And I can't wait to come back and blah, blah, blah. Get to the airport. No passport. No passport. Yeah. And I had to run and dash and kind of like make it back to the airport before. So it's embarrassing moments. I haven't had many, I'm afraid. Yeah, I know you guys were looking for something to laugh at at my Of course. not giving me that today. Well, I think my languages have kind of like got me in trouble as well. And, and this is mostly not when I'm traveling by myself, obviously, but more like if I'm traveling with my husband. My husband's knowledge of Dutch is not that great, but he still he can he can he can defend himself. He can he can fend for himself in the language, though. So he tends to speak to me whenever we're somewhere where Dutch is not normally spoken. If he wants to tell me something, he'll say it in Dutch. And it has happened not with him, but with friends when we were traveling. And this person's like, oh, my God, this person in front of me better better just move because, my God, so annoying. The person turns around and answers in Dutch. (laughs) (laughs) That is funny. That that is funny. Yeah, that has happened a couple of times. That is funny. That one's funny. Yeah, whether it was with Papiamento or with Dutch, we always think, <laughs> you know, there's like they're the ultimate um explorers on in this world, I think, is Dutch people. They've been everywhere and they are everywhere. So beware, yeah. don't speak Dutch behind someone's back if you don't know for sure they don't speak the language. <laughs> <laughs> All of your bad experiences are clean, they're good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's nothing really, really super embarrassing, or I'm just choosing not to say it. I I was going to say it's probably (laughs) the latter. (laughs) You think you're hiding. When you get off this call, we're going to talk. Next time, you know, let's do this in the the afternoon when I'm already at a rum, you know, and then we can talk. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Like I said, it's afternoon somewhere in the world, so I can join you even if it's in the morning. (laughs) That's true. And then in the Caribbean, there's something like it's always happy hour anyway. So, yeah, Yeah. I'm going to make a political announcement right now and and then I'm going to get away from it. For those of you who it's important to give back to local culture, understand that when you're seeking out going to any destination it doesn't necessarily have to be in the caribbean seek out people who live there seek out yeah. locals find out what lo- one of the things i do when i plan a trip is i go and say what are the locals doing that's the first thing right. i do and I, and I get that a lot from a lot of people it's like i want to go where the locals are but there's one tiny little problem with that you need to remember that on a lot of islands what where the tourists go is not necessarily somewhere where the locals wouldn't go unless it's seriously touristic. 
Right. Um, there's many bars and restaurants that are frequented by locals as much as visitors. It's too small to have that segregation. Mm-hmm. You see? So you have to remember that. Another thing that is super important is that when you approach a local that you have befriended on social media or whatnot, don't expect them to give you all of these these tips and tours for nothing. We have jobs. We have things to do. We're not just there to amuse you and entertain you. We actually have to survive. So why not offer them, for instance, a little something for taking you around the island? Absolutely. That's another thing that I see a lot. It's like, oh, you're from here. You can definitely tell me all of these places that I must go to. Yes, I can. But that is taking time out of my my time. It's taking out of my time. It's taking out of my day. It's also sometimes I'll have to do research before I can answer your Mm -hmm. specific question. So I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to charge as a person, especially somebody who's giving all of this knowledge on a daily through my videos and through my writing, which is already free for grabs for anyone. Right. And then no. if you want more specific, then of course I can do that. But don't be don't be insulted if I ask you a fee for it. Nope. And if you're insulted, you've met the wrong person. Right. Right. So uh, we've been off for over an hour now. So I. Um, that's because the conversation's been going. This so is well. this has been good. Yeah. Well, well, you're gonna have to take it from us, and I think Dave will agree. Uh, you're coming back, whether you want to or not. If I have to come, to, if I have to come to Saint Martin and put you in front of that camera myself. Actually, uh, I think that is the best idea ever. How about we do this next time from the shores of Saint Martin? I, I I'm in. Sounds good. Okay, cool. <laughs> I, I am totally in on that one. <laughs> awesome. And, and I got, I got, and by the way, don't shy away. I know you mentioned this before and you've gotten away from your writing a little bit with video, but you're in a generation now where people don't read as much as they used to. Yeah, I know. Video I know. is it. Video is important, but I think my writing is also my passion still right. as is video making. But I do think that writing is still something I kind of want to go a little I'm not saying I'm gonna abandon video making to go writing both that's what I'm trying to do I'm trying to do both that's that that's the idea what's the name of your bar and is it on the front side or the dark side of course it's on the Dutch side what's wrong with you Can you That's slap? Can you slap him through a Zoom call? I, if I could. <laughs> um, no, nothing against the French side, by the way. I love the French side. My husband and I, sometimes when we feel like a staycation, guess where we're going? We're going for a staycation on the French side. It's like okay. less, less chances of bumping into people we know, even on a 37 square mile island. You'll be surprised. And Grunkhaus right. is always my go-to place, by the way. I love, love, yeah. love that fashion, that little fishing village. But um, going back to answering your question, it's called the Rusty Rocket. And mm-hmm. it is located right um, close to the international airport, Princess Juliana. Is it close to where the plane comes? Is it close to where the plane comes in and everyone's just No, it's actually on the opposite side of the airport. It's on the the opposite side. So it's across from the from the airstrip, you can say. It's closer to the terminal than to where you can see the planes land. We don't have that view, but we're more on the lagoon side. So we have the lagoon breeze and the lagoon right there. So that's what we have. That sounds like a good place to record a podcast, Dave. Oh That's my right. goodness. That's it. That's what we're doing. We're going to record it at the Rusty Rocket. 
That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. The best burgers on the island, by the way. Oh, not because I it's ours. It. Yeah, absolutely. Get yourself a uh, Rocky Balboa or a better than sighting wings. Yeah, my husband comes up with those ideas. He actually called the chicken wings better than sighting wings. Well, you got the you got the Rocky Balboa. Do they have the Adrian? Actually, no. But you have the Apollo Creed. Oh, okay. <laughs> ah. <laughs> oh, yeah, like he's coming up with all these crazy names. The Mandingo Dog is another one. Ooh, I'm not yeah, touching. I'm not that. touching that one. There's a joke oh, there. I gotta I'm let staying, that go. I'm staying far from that one. <laughs> you have to see how many people come. Like, take. Sure of me, he's in the Mandingo. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to us about your platform, Traveling Island Girl, and any other projects that you're into and wow, it's, like us to, to discuss. It has become a monster. It is <laughs> it started as just a blog where I was putting out all of my thoughts and feelings and aspirations as to when it comes to travel and and my my wanting to empower other Caribbean women to do the same. Um, and then from then it kind of like grew into now this social media aspect of it. Um, and, and during the lockdown here on St. Martin, I decided to teach myself the art of video making. And I went and I and I noticed that I completely loved, love, love, love doing videos. So I went a little deep into that, which I have to regretfully say has been in, um, you know, I had to sacrifice a little bit of my time for writing on my blog. So my blog has been a little outdated, but I'm planning on going back to writing as well. Um, but yeah, so now it has grown into a, a, a big YouTube channel with information about the Caribbean. and. So it has grown into something much more than I expected it to be. And um, initially, I just wanted to travel and write. That was that was what it was about for me. And now it has become a little bit more. I want to educate. I want to learn more myself. I want to share with the world what a Caribbean really is. And for me, that is really important. And not just the Caribbean, to the Caribbean people too. I want to open their eyes to other destinations outside of the region that they might not have to think about at all. Um, like I said, we tend to really think only when we're traveling abroad, um, we tend to always go to Miami, New York, the bigger cities. But mm. what about the smaller towns? What about the other places? What about the other side of the continental, continental U.S.? What about other places in Europe besides the Netherlands, Belgium and whatever is surrounding that? What about Scotland, Ireland? Why don't we just visit those, you know? So I want to just open the eyes of the Caribbean people that there's more than just where they travel to the most. And I want to entice people to come to the Caribbean and experience the Caribbean life, not just what you see in the brochures with the swaying palm trees and the beautiful turquoise oceans, because let's be honest, not every single Caribbean island is about that. Look at Seba. Seba doesn't have uh, beaches, or they'll say they'll have one, but that beach comes and goes. It's not always there. And it's definitely not sandy and turquoise waters. Then you have Dominica, which has gorgeous beaches, but it's more about the nature. nature. That's why they call it yeah. the nature island. It's it's all about, you know, hiking and waterfalls. And there's so much to it. Puerto Rico itself, a lot of people, especially from St. Martin, tend to go to Puerto Rico because it's just, um, it's less than an hour away. 
So I often tell them, it's like, have you been to Puerto Rico? Yes. Have you been outside of San Juan? No. Then you haven't been to Puerto Rico. San Juan is the capital. There's just so much more outside of San Juan that you can do and see. And it's, and it's a spectacular island, for instance. And that's what you see with a lot of other islands in the Caribbean. There's so much more, and especially if you link up with a local. Looking for a unique Caribbean island getaway? It's time you discovered Stacia. St. Eustatius is one of Mother Nature's finest creations. Its history and culture is second to none. Stacia, a world leader in ecotourism, features spectacular underwater adventure, breathtaking hiking trails, and pristine beaches. Visit stacia-tourism.com to begin planning that one-of-a-kind vacation. Guys, it has been an incredible honor. And yes, I would be more than honored to be back on this podcast. It's just more certainly. What's oh. the next trip? What, what do you have planned next? Um, the next trip is actually to Europe. I'm, I have to do my annual Europe visits because I'm visiting my mom who now lives in Belgium. So I'm going to be in Belgium for about a month. And then after that, I have plans to return to Stacia for a project. Nice. And Barbados is looking very good in a couple of months from now. Hey, Barbados, talk about- it looks like Barbados is finally going to become a reality for me in a few months. We'll talk about that more. I love it. Yes, Yes, we're definitely going to talk about that. Something else I want to talk about. We've never done a podcast on Belgium. Hey, there you go. And if Antwerp is the place that you want to, that you want to cover, I got you. That's, that's, uh, that's definitely my city. I love that city. I go every year, even before my mom moved there. And yeah, it's definitely one of my favorite parts of Belgium. Well, according to my ancestry DNA, I'm 2% Belgium. So who knows? <laughs> Is that where the fascination with beer came from? Uh, no, that came from my dad. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I can't wait to explore a little bit of, uh, more of Antwerp. It's every time I go, I discover something new. So, yeah. Oh, wow, Excited. Wow, wow. Well, I would like to thank you for doing this. Uh, when Dave uh, told me that he had you booked, I was, was reading all your stories last night really late, which is why I'm kind of sleepy right now. Um, and I was like, oh, she's going to be a great guest. And now that I see your personality, it was an awesome experience for me. <laughs> a lot of people actually think that um, this is not me. And then when they meet me in real life, they're actually surprised that I'm as bubbly and positive all the time it actually it takes a lot of effort to be this way but yes i am this person that you read or see or hear about it's i yeah i tend to keep it real um, i love we- it the only thing i can say to you is douchey <laughs> he learned a new word and he's not letting it go oh, oh, oh my god you know how often i'm gonna hear that oh yeah Oh yeah, you're gonna hear it for the the yeah oh yeah for the for the near future you're gonna be hearing it pretty much every day. Yeah, hey, Michael, Michael, I'm not gonna say douchey to you, okay? Oh, uh, we already had that conversation. No, you won't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you oh. want him at your front door, don't call him douchey. Uh, please no. No. <laughs> no, he's he's already told me he wears a size 15, so I'm not going to mess with that. Yeah, I know. I was scared when I heard that. And at six foot four, I know how to wield it. Oh, Lord. 
on that note thank you thank you thank you for doing this um looking forward to having you back song was i invite me in the show aki and domino por apuntra pa nada mas love it Michael okay, I have no idea what Mike. I said now, do you? <laughs> <laughs> no, said, only be- thank, you. thank you from the bottom of no, my heart. My heart yeah. It has been a tremendous, tremendous pleasure. Thank you. Uh, thank you as well. Thank and, you very much. And uh, for those of you listening, do not forget to go visit Rizelle's website, thetravelingislandgirl.com. She updates frequently, as you've heard, and she doesn't travel just to the Caribbean. So we're going to have her back in a couple of weeks, hopefully, and uh, we'll be discussing other parts of her global travel adventures. So, Rizelle, again, thank you. And on behalf of my friend Dave, this is Michael saying so long, and we'll see you on another edition of TripCast 360.